Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Short & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. One of the fascinating aspects of modern business is the way entrepreneurs have become the agents of social change. The most visible examples are Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, whose companies Amazon and Apple have revolutionized our economy and our daily lives. This kind of business-led change is also happening on a smaller scale, though of course the scale of that change is far from small if it's your life that's being changed. Today on Out to Lunch, I'd like to introduce you to two local New Orleans entrepreneurs who are changing lives and saving lives. Husefa Dasaji is vice president of a company called CertainTel Telehealth. CertainTel Telehealth is fundamentally an online medical communication company, sort of like a hospital on Skype, bringing together doctors and patients in a virtual clinic. Typically, the patients are in low-income rural areas who would otherwise have no access to specialized medical treatment. Huzefa, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks, Peter. Good to be here. Nick Pachos is a medical entrepreneur working in a field that he has practically invented himself. Nick is the founder and CEO of a company called Bioaesthetics. What they do at Bioaesthetics is known as acellular nipple areola complex grafts. The bioaesthetic method is a revolutionary technique for surgically replacing a nipple on a human being. The revolutionary part is that it is not a traditional skin graft. The bioaesthetic method helps the patient's own body regrow this specialized type of nipple areola tissue. Nick, welcome out to lunch. Yeah, thanks for having me. For most of us who are not in the medical field, but who regularly video chat each other on FaceTime or Skype, it may be hard to grasp what the big deal is about certain tel- telehealth. After all, you'd think if someone lives in a rural part of America and a doctor in Manhattan is up for FaceTiming, then it should not be a big deal for them to connect. But government regulations for communication that involve medical consultations are extraordinarily highly regulated. So maybe let's start there and explain to us the regulatory hurdles you face getting certain tel- telehealth set up. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Um, you're absolutely right. So it would be easy if you could just FaceTime or Skype with your with your doctor or provider. But um, because of HIPAA laws, um, this makes it sort of challenging. Um, the, one of the main things is, is auditing. So um, everything, A, has to be um, secure in flight and in, in, in rest. So all information. So we don't actually store any of the information. Um, it is is stored through a, a third-party server. In fact, we, we use Amazon, um, and so we sign what's known as a business associate agreement uh, with our uh, clients, so with uh, with hospitals and health centres. Um, and, and so that really is is, is the crux. And, and if it, without that, we wouldn't have a business. So. And let's talk about that the market for you. It's a uh, rural and low-income folks. Uh, so I would assume it's uh, a lot of Medicare, Medicaid. 
Yes, a lot of Medicare and Medicaid. Um, so we, you know, challenges, it's not just, it's mostly the safety net population. And so what we saw was there was a real need in that area. You have um, not only farm workers, people live in very rural areas, but even in urban areas, um, these people are mostly on hourly wage. And it takes them, on average, about, you know, two hours or so to get to a, a provider, right, to, to get their transportation waiting time. Doesn't include the waiting room in the old magazine. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and so most of them, you know, have challenges taking off work, paid time. Um, and in some, so for some instances where you have follow-up visits like medication management, maybe discussing lab results, um, I always say that this is not meant to take away from face-to-face -face visits, but just enhance. So for, for providers to be able to take um, and communicate with these patients when they're not within the four walls of the health center. Now, Nick, you're in a field that I believe you invented. There's nobody else on earth who has figured out how to bioengineer areola and nipple regrowth. I assume that not only does this make you something of a genius, but given the incidence of reconstructive surgeries from breast cancer and elective surgeries like uh, gender reassignment, the potential for this kind of procedure must be enormous. We'll go back in time in a moment to find out how you came up with this, but let's start with the present. Where are you right now with the development of the technique? Yeah, sure. So right now we are doing safety and efficacy trials uh, in a living model to test the actual graft itself to make sure it's safe uh, in order for it to be engrafted on people. And so we're on a pretty quick timeline and we plan to be first in human within about a year timeline. And so our graft allows for the patient's own cells to grow into it and essentially regrow their own nipple and areola after a woman has had a mastectomy due to breast cancer. So you wouldn't have a what we worry about traditionally, rejection, for instance. Correct. So there's there's very little to no chance of rejection in this case. We derive all of our tissues through a personalized transplant method. So we take tissues from a human donor, remove all the cells, all the DNA, and we transplant it onto another person with a very specialized engraftment method that encourages skin growth directly into it. So skin grows, blood vessels grow, and essentially a brand new nipple and areola at the end of it. And Nick, you didn't stumble upon this. You've come up with breakthroughs in spinal cord, uh, work lungs, uh, things like that. You, this is what you do, I guess. Just try to uh, look at problems and try to solve them. Yeah, so I went to school for biomedical engineering. Um, you know, I didn't create the field of regenerative medicine. This is something that we took uh, a completely new approach to an old application. Um, and so we took this method of decellarization to remove cells and DNA from donor tissues. And we just rethought, reimagined, and uh, replaced them basically for the nipple and areola to recreate a brand new product uh, for a brand new population or a pre-existing population, I guess, in this case. Over three million breast cancer survivors currently live in the United wow. States, so it's pretty significant. Um, so, yeah, I'd originally started working on lungs uh, to regrow them outside the human body. I was a tournament transplants uh, and then started, uh, was introduced to mastectomies and thought we could definitely utilize this in the nipple areola space as well. Wow. If you, um, when I look at the, the business itself, it seems like you still have some connection to Tulane. Definitely. So I just finished my PhD at Tulane in December. Um, so been, thank you. <laughs> uh, straddling a company and graduate school was challenging, uh, to say the least. Uh, but we worked very closely with Tulane in many facets um, for both living animal model testing um, as well as my old uh, our research uh, advisor is still there, and we still work with him as well, uh, Bruce Bennell in the Center for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine. Um, so we work very closely with the uh, medical school um, and as well with the main campus of Tulane. 
I'll ask this question to both of you. How do you find your customers? So we're national. Um, what we do is we partner. We wanted to very um, start on the grassroots. So we, we partner with the primary care association in each state. Um, and each one of them is the umbrella organization over all of the community health centers that are within the state. And so we build partnerships. So we just built a partnership or have a partnership with the Louisiana Primary Care Association. We have one with California Primary Care Association, uh, the Northwest Regional Primary Care Association, so on and so forth. But what we, our strategy was to look at the states. Once again, you said we deal with Medicaid. So the states that have the best um, or the, the most favorable reimbursement policies for these health centers to do telehealth. And so we started there. Um, and so believe it or not, actually Louisiana, Mississippi, um, California, Washington, um, Alaska, and those states um, have favorable, and so we started there. And so, and on the East Coast, we've got New York and New Jersey. So kind of really building the relationships. We really want to emphasize education. So we go and we, um, we speak, myself and, and Ben, we speak at all of the conferences, um, talking about telehealth, how they can increase access to care, um, really f uh, behavioral health um, for things like uh, those people with um, chronic disease management, so people with hypertension, diabetes. There's a really good example of a health center in, um, in, in New York called Finger Lakes that we work with. They have a, very, uh, they have a population of farm workers and they, they're in New York State for a while. Uh, a lot of them have, have hypertension and, and, and diabetes. And then they go to Florida. For the other for the crops, but the problem was they were having is that when they went to Florida, they would they would they would lose um, contact with these patients, and a lot of them they would take the time to get them you know stabilized. When they came back, they were back to square one. So they're trying to figure out how can we um, you know make sure that we connect with these patients and keep in touch with them, and so they're utilizing telehealth. Most of them, believe it or not, even though they're low income, have a smartphone. Um, uh, and are able to, uh, so, so they, that's how they keep in track you know, with, with the world. They don't have a computer or anything else, but they have a smartphone. And so that's You have logic on your side. A lot of times yes. that's, that <laughs> is, doesn't help, but uh, it, it certainly is the right idea. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Huzefa Tasaji from CertainTel Telehealth and Nick Pachos from Bioaesthetics. Nick, um, what about yourself? I mean, we know there's, you mentioned a giant number of people that have uh, breast surgery uh, each year. What, where do you get your customers? Are your customers the doctors? Yeah, so our direct customers are the plastic and reconstructive surgeons as well as the patients, right? So we have both, in this case, kind of end users. Um, and then we'll have our customers as well as the payers for the insurance companies for reimbursements later down the line once we're applicable for reimbursement. And we basically find our plastic and reconstructive surgeons um, by not asking them if they want to you know, provide this graph, but rather for advice from them. So we, you know, we always start the conversation with like, what don't you like with current nipple reconstruction? And we engage them in conversation and there naturally a relationship generally builds and we can build off of that that way. Um, and for patients, they actually have been reaching out to us uh, through LinkedIn, Facebook, and through our website asking when the graft will be ready, uh, if there's a clinical trial they can join. Um, so we've been really focusing on the plastic reconstructive surgeon uh, and patients have been finding us and right now we're trying to transfer over also to patients and be more engaged in the breast cancer community as well. Can you, can you walk me through what, what has to happen here? I'm not going to try it at home or anything like that, I promise, <laughs> but uh, what is, uh, um, where do you start? So we start with donor tissue, just like anyone would receive a donor organ for transplant, a donor lung or liver. Um, we basically just start with donor tissue from a, a donor person. Um, and we can 
take those nipple and areola donor tissues and we begin to just wash them in a process that takes about five days in this case. And we remove all the cells in the DNA. And what's left is a complete structure of that nipple and areola that's been completely intact just without anything living in it. So it's not dead, it's not living, it's just a non-living material. Uh, we can then engraft that back onto a living body uh, and the patient's own cells we see grow directly into it, reform a skin uh, layer directly on top, and blood vessels start to form within about three weeks into that graft. So this, this is a functioning nipple? Yeah, functioning in the sense of structure and living. So when a woman has a mastectomy, uh, generally uh, it's hard for them to have sensation in that breast tissue afterwards, depending on how she has uh, that surgery, right, how extensive it is. Um, so we're working on nerve growth as well. Uh, but right now, the function is structure and a living tissue uh, to create a permanent solution for these women. When I listen to you, both of these ideas are not only terrific, but they cost money. So wh where does the money come from? Uh, is it, do you have investors? Um, yeah, so we, we have investors. We, at the very uh, you know, beginning, were also part of a, a program that was sponsored by the Village Capital um, um, Group. Uh, and what they did, we were part of uh, 13 finalists um, were companies in healthcare um, that had the social impact, um, you know, sort of emphasis. And uh, we, we were actually picked as the, as the two finalists. So we got uh, 75,000 from them um, as part of, uh, you know, of winning that competition. Uh, we do also have investors and we are getting re actually ready to raise uh, our, our Series A round uh, coming up. So about two million. Um, so yes, uh, we are, thankfully we are post-revenue, so we do have uh, customers that are actually, and, and we have some revenue coming up, but uh, as of now, of course, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're still growing, so. I love uh, that term, post-revenue. Yes. Yes, it's really, it's, a lot of people aren't post-revenue, yes. so that's a big, that's a big deal. What, what are you gonna do with the money? What would be an example? So one of the things that we're looking to do is to, and, and this is what, you know, my background uh, being in healthcare as I went to pharmacy school, is really I want to make it from just a, a, a virtual visit platform. We have secure messaging and other things, but really a care coordination tool. So when uh, the, private, the primary care provider, the behavioral health specialist, the dietitian, uh, the nurses, all of them really be able to communicate communicate with each other and also with the patient. Um, the other thing that we're looking to do is to um, develop um, a virtual interpreter service. So a lot of these health centers, um, you know, the, the patients come in and usually the provider and the patient sometimes do not speak the same language. So they either have an interpreter telephonically um, or they have to hire someone, um, you know, that so we, on staff, which can get really expensive depending on the languages and all that. So we want to be able to provide uh, on demand and by scheduled appointment a virtual uh, interpreter. So you would have um, that interpreter being able to come in and, and, and do the um, and do the interpreter virtually. So. And Nick, you, your, your program must track a lot of investors. I mean, I'm just talking about people to people about who, who's going to be on the show this week and everybody's excited. Where, where did you get your money? Uh, so when I was a graduate student, I was bootstrapping it for my graduate stipend and then did business plan competitions uh, for quite a while. Um, and, but now that, you know, during the last year of school, I really focused on fundraising, got a business partner, grew the company quite a bit. Um, and we were able to attract some private investment from uh, an incubator out in San Francisco, San Francisco called IndieBio, uh, which is powered by SOSV Ventures. Uh, one of our biggest venture backed is from Silicon Valley, Hemi VCs, and then also 
the Nolan group, uh, the Nolan Angel Network as well, um, as well as a group out in uh, in the Boston area. So all together, we have some uh, substantial private equity that has been put into our company that to really help us push forward. And we'll be also going for our next round of funding in the, in the next quarter. And you'll use this money for additional research and I guess getting the word out too. Right? Yeah, so some of it is PR, but significant amount of our money goes to uh, safety and efficacy trials, as well as hiring people to improve our product so that we can really give the best to this uh, patient population moving forward. Um, I know you, you think about this all the time, but how, how big are these potential markets? I mean, they seem monstrous. Uh, so for nipple areola complex reconstruction, um, you know, in the United States, we're probably looking at about a half billion dollar market per year. Well, so it's not a massive, massive market uh, to a lot of investors, actually. Um, when you start looking at worldwide, then, you know, you start getting into the billions and billions, right? Um, but Biostetics is really focused on transforming plastic and reconstructive surgeries through regenerative medicine, and our Nipper product is just one. We've already started so, having more down the pipeline. So you could grow other body parts? Absolutely, and that's what we're focused on, is for plastic and reconstructive surgery, basically body parts, facial reconstruction, things like that. Wow. And what about yourself? How big is, is the market there? It seems, I mean, would... The Medicaid market is pretty huge. So, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar market uh, and opportunity. Um, Medicare as well. Um, Medicare had a lot of restrictions. They're starting to ease those. And as Medicare goes, you know, so does uh, everything else. Our, um, you know, goal is to... And so the, the shift is happening towards value-based care, moving right. from, like, fee-for-service to, to value-based care. And as that happens then really it's not about getting reimbursed for each visit, but really you're given a matter of, um, some amount of money and you have to take care of the patient and making sure that we reduce you know, these unnecessary visits to the ER, um, things like that. And so we really, the goal is to partner with the payers uh, and to be able to show that, hey, we're able to save, um, save money. And, and so that, that's the, the, the goal is to partner with, with, uh, with but ACS. But that's in your wheelhouse. That's, yes. that's what you want to be uh, viewed on. Absolutely. Can the company stay here? At some point, you get a little bigger. Do you have to move on? Or? Um, I will, I'm, I'm committed to staying. Um, you know, we may have to have two headquarters, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, like Just I like said. Amazon. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I'll, so for me, I'm, I'm committed to, to staying here and, and, and building um, at least a portion of the company. Here. And Nick, can you get some of your resources, for instance, coming from Boston, Silicon Valley and stay here? So that's been a challenge, certainly. So we were out in San Francisco. That's where we started our lab, actually. And uh, we moved back to New Orleans. Um, and, you know, it's a place that we love. Being a small company, you need to be versatile uh, and dynamic, right? So we kind of run our uh, PR and uh, sort of communications out of San Francisco. Um, New Orleans is really our headquarters for... Uh, you know, the technology itself, it's being spun off of Tulane University and our, um, you know, living models are based out of Louisiana as well. And we're actually going to be opening up a new space in the Research Triangle Park in North Carolina. Um, and that's all about taking advantage of resources that are around us, right? And so Research Triangle Park has a tremendous of biotech um, that we want to be a part of. San Francisco has a ton of biotech um, and a true entrepreneurship spirit. And New Orleans is our home, right? Uh, and it has fantastic mentors that we've uh, really become attached to and have helped foster us 
from an idea phase to the company we are. And it's about taking advantage of all pieces of those. It's one thing to talk about the world of entrepreneurial opportunity and social revolution from a distance. It's quite another thing to be part of it and to see the world changing as a result of your daily work. Nick and Huzefa, both of you are involved in businesses that are literally changing people's lives and saving them. Congratulations on your business successes, but more importantly, it's incumbent on us to recognize you for everything you're doing to make the world a better place for all the people you touch. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Peter. This is, this is a joy. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to you know, connecting with you as yes, well. Yes, that's the best part is when two yeah. people, you guys should know each other. <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Josefa Dazaji, Vice President of CertainTel Telehealth, and Nick Peixos, founder and CEO of BioAesthetics. You can find out more about Josefa's remote healthcare and Nick's revolutionary surgery by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, and this may be one of the best dress groups we've ever put together here, you can find photos in this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans' Facebook page. The photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday. Jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Shewart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness. 